1: Just a quick content warning today's episode does deal with sexual assault and sexual violence against women. Please listen with care. Welcome to episode 26 of Criminality, the podcast where me, Rebecca, and my co-host here, Melissa, talk about reality TV, the crimes that happen with the people on reality TV. We believe loving reality isn't a crime. Hello, Melissa. Straight up journalism. Yes. You know, I'm inspired. And I thought, you know, if we have new listeners, I'm just going to ground them in some facts and some context. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, So yeah, happy to be here. How are you? Great, thanks. How are you? I'm good. I am um, enjoying your Zoom background for anyone watching on YouTube. You could see Melissa's Zoom background has, well, you'll find out what it is. If you don't know, you will soon. Yeah, that's more of a surprise thing that you want
0: to see. You you can't describe what's going on back
1: Yeah, this is like you got to know it to understand it. You had to be there kind of thing. Um, But no, I'm good. It's January. I don't know. Just yeah things keep moving yeah time marches <laughs> on um
0: <laughs> yeah life sucks and then you die according to my father-in-law he's always told my kids told my kids that he's like yeah life sucks and then you die i'm like you know what wow it's true
1: it's grandpa. true
0: <laughs> there's pockets of happiness but yeah no he's he's not wrong Co- totally yeah
1: him Some... young on the realities of what actually <laughs> we're working with Boy. here thank you grandpa for your legacy exactly um Well, then maybe we should just get right into it because this might be a longish one because this is a big story I'm going to tell you. I'm excited. Okay, me too. So remember how I gave the clue TV royalty? That was one of the three, right? Right. And I meant it in the way that we all mean it when we say someone is TV royalty. Like I might call Oprah or Kelly Ripa TV royalty. Like who comes to mind for you? Who would you call TV royalty?
0: Okay, take kelly ripa's name
1: out of your mouth on that one no i I know i know right you're right don't i mean i think it applies to her but it's all subjective so you tell me yours and it doesn't have to be mine fine okay oprah winfrey would be one though she would ryan seacrest
0: i'll give you that he's a staple now in tv who else would be oh my
1: gosh maury povich came to mind that can't (laughs) be right. (laughs) I think his reign is over, but at one point, I think people might have um, called him that. But it's sort of just like anyone with this big body of TV work who's been successful in television for a period of time, right? (laughs) So my story and the woman at the heart of it, I think she might kind of qualify as TV royalty, but she actually really qualifies in the literal sense. Today, I'm going to tell you about the actress Catherine Oxenberg. Now, she's TV royalty because she's actually the eldest daughter of the princess of Yugoslavia. Her mom was the princess of Yugoslavia, which I'm just repeating because it's like, that's something I never thought I would know or talk about. Right. Yeah. I never,
0: I knew she was royalty. Yugoslavia was beyond me. I had no idea about that. That was not the country I was thinking.
1: Same. And she has a British accent. So it's also maybe not like the first one that would come to mind. Mm -mm. Um what I learned is that somewhere in the late 90s early 2000s Yugoslavia became Serbia. Sounds like it was real complicated, a little above <laughs> my pay grade. So I think Yugoslavia is now Serbia, but she's still everywhere it's reported is titled as the Princess of Yugoslavia, her mom, that huh. is. Maybe okay. because that's when it was originally formed or when her title was bestowed upon her, I don't know. But we're going to go with Yugoslavia, but for anyone who knows about this, I know it's Serbia um so well not me so you're good (laughs) well yeah and i didn't either prior to reading it so while she's technically in the line of succession to several titles she actually doesn't hold any noble rank herself so if you're the daughter of a princess you don't have a title you're not princess to be or anything which i feel like is a ripoff um but she has some pretty good blood she is the second cousin once removed to prince charles She's the third, which makes her the third cousin of Prince William Duke of Cambridge, as in William and Kate William. Okay. And so do you know how to make this relatable to people like us at the grocery store, the deli counter? There's like you grab a ticket and they call your number.
0: Okay. Right. It's not really a thing we do here, but I I understand the concept.
1: We don't have deli numbers. You just stand in line. Oh, it's pick a number over here. And don't Ooh. you dare step ahead of someone who grabbed a number and you didn't. Okay, maybe it's a Northeast thing. Okay. Listeners, hopefully you have deli counters yeah, with I've numbers. I've heard of it. I, I, yeah, I watched You TV. just <laughs> have like a friendly grocery store where it's like the honor system. I see. It. That's fine. <laughs> so no one's fighting for their baloney. That's good. Yeah. Well, that's sort of my analogy for the succession. Like there's a number system of how many numbers away from the royal line Catherine is, and as of the time of this reporting, she is 3,936th in line to the throne of the United Kingdom and the Commonwealth realm. So it's not going to happen for her in her lifetime, but she's on the list. Like, I'm, you know, I'm not. I don't think
0: we're that far down the list. If she's 3,900, oh wait, there's like billions of people on Earth,
1: probably. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm not. I don't think my name's nearing any list. her lineage is actually really amazing because her grandfather actually was the first person to bring democracy to Yugoslavia and he avoided Nazi involvement through private negotiations with Winston Churchill. So royal or not, like they hobnobbed with some major world leaders, movers and shakers. So she has a really incredibly rich uh, history and background, which I had no idea about. So like you said, Who would have guessed Yugoslavia because she was raised in London. She was actually born in New York, but raised in London. She attended a fancy French school. Then she went on to Harvard where she was actually classmates with Conan O'Brien. which is a fun fact. So she's very pedigreed in terms of her education, her ancestry. And as you know, and if anybody knows who we're talking about, she's beautiful. She's incredibly, yeah, just elegant is a word Mm -hmm. I would use. She's very composed and you can tell she's been like, in boarding schools like she's just right manners she's just like posh when you see her wear a t-shirt
0: the t-shirt is somehow elevated i mean really like on no the, you know documentary or whatever you see her and you're like oh my gosh like i look like crap 90 100 of the time and this lady's out here just putting on a t-shirt and you're like oh okay abercrombie and fitch called is that still a thing i don't know but they would call her
1: Agreed. I would say Ralph Lauren, but I would disagree on oh, my bad. looking like crap like you do. You do never look like crap. But Catherine Oxenberg has a very like effortless chicness about her. And
0: that's what you're picking up on. I think this is another thing of like South versus Northeast that I'm like <laughs> Abercrombie and Fitch. You're like, well, oh, Ralph Lauren. No, there's a difference there. Yeah.
1: OK, well, even bad. just like so demographic and age. But we totally I'm picking up what you're putting down. She okay. is super elegant, really beautiful. And she's a free spirit. And she decides to, she has a lot of options. She speaks multiple languages, but she decides she wants to be an actress. And this was likely influenced by the man her mother dated. They didn't marry, but for many years they were engaged. She was engaged to Richard Burton, the very well-known Liz actor, Taylor. Elizabeth Taylor's Liz, eventual okay. husband. Yeah, so he really influenced her and helped her get over some of her shyness and fear of public hmm. speaking and she went into acting. So again, like the influences in her life are just like next level. Like right. this is not your average person's existence. Abercrombie and and pitch model. <laughs> like <Exactly>. Just not. <laughs> from the uh from London to the dressing room. You know those posters anyway. Those stores were so weird. So she moves to L.A. to become an actress, and in her first major role, she was cast as, any guesses? It also goes with my TV royalty, in the literal sense, clue. Royalty. Uh, dynasty? Well, yes, that's next, but first, yes, you're totally right, yes. So she was actually cast as Princess Diana in a made-for-TV movie, The Royal Romance of Charles and Diana, which just feels totally on brand, like interesting though you'd think that could ruffle some family feathers right I'm sure it did and she's actually interviewed extensively about playing her and she will go on to play her again 10 years later so she's like like the go to Diana's been played by a lot of women but yeah. she really was like one of the women that was like the go to to play Diana hmm. two years later after that she would join Dynasty you're totally right which was at the peak of its success in 1984 Dynasty was this soap opera that was on at night, and I think it was about ranchers in Colorado. I was too young. I'm guessing you were too. Did your parents watch it? I, I didn't no. grow up with it on my radar at all.
0: No. Whenever you said royalty, it's the only show I could think of with royalty, but no, I've, I've never watched it. And I actually thought it took place in Texas, like Dallas, I guess. Wait, that's the one. Who shot JR? Which show is that? that? Is it Dynasty? Dallas? No, that's is
1: Dynasty. Is that Dynasty? Yes. Okay. I thought it was Texas too. It's Colorado. So, and if you remember, last episode, you finished, and I'm like, oh my gosh, my episode has a teeny, tiny connection to yours, when right. I love when that happens. Yes, mm-hmm. who produced Dynasty? Can I tell you, I don't even remember what my episode was last week. so <laughs> that makes me feel so, so much you. better, Melissa, because it's always me, like, did that happen? Was I there? I did. Uh, You did Tori Spelling, so oh, okay. who produced Dynasty? Aaron Spelling. You got it. Yay. So... Yeah, so we didn't watch it. We don't know. There was a reboot in 2017. It looked underwhelming. Um, Heather Locklear was on the original. So this was like big TV. I mean, everybody did watch this. Heather Locklear for me was more like later on. Sure. She was there for two years and she left at the height of her character and the show's popularity. And there were rumors that she was fired over salary negotiations. But her publicist insists she left of her own accord and that she wanted to leave I read recent interviews with Catherine who says who now kind of tells the inside story. And she was actually suffering greatly from an eating disorder at the time. And she said that started at the age of 16 and went through her thirties and she was just never going to get well if she stayed on that set. So she left, which I think was an incredibly brave, probably scary thing to do. So she was, I don't think it affected her popularity though, because the very same year she co-hosted SNL with Paul Simon in what was, I think, the only royal descendant to ever host SNL. They spoof and they parody the royal family all the time, but none of them have ever hosted. Like, I checked for Meghan Markle and everybody, none of them. Hmm, okay. So she goes on to guest appear in different roles, in different shows, made some very unremarkable films. But in 1992, she gets cast, like I mentioned, one more time as Princess Diana. This time, the story was called Charles and Diana Unhappily Ever After. The first one had romance in the title. So it was sad. You, We obviously know the story ended so tragically. and It was even worse right. than people realized. So this was right when people were starting to shine a light in their life and say, oh, I don't know if she's as happy as we all thought. Right. So many years go on after that. Nothing major happens in her career. So many years later, she would find herself once again on a TV show. But this time, though she's billed as a princess, it's actually about her. In 2005, she was on a reality show called I Married a Princess. Melissa, did you watch this?
0: This little royal gem? One million percent. I watched this. I was invested in this. I don't remember much. I remember the husband didn't remember her at all in fact later on whenever I saw her she looked familiar but I didn't know why and when I googled it I was like oh yeah I remember the husband for some reason I, I don't know why I don't remember the kids I don't remember anything but I remember the husband
1: you mean Casper Van, Casper. Van Dien yeah I didn't know yes. if you wanted to name him but <laughs> no yeah. that's okay well, name um, like Casper yeah well, I guess technically he would be the subject of the show because it's I married a princess and that would be him so okay. that makes sense that the takeaway for you was him. I remember seeing it too. I definitely don't think I watched the whole series. I'm not like a loyalist the way you are. So once again, so
0: kindly, but it's really, it's an insult. I get it.
1: (laughs) The the worst part, honestly, is that I think it's been scrubbed off the internet. I have looked everywhere. I was ready to pay. Mm -hmm. If anybody listening knows where I can watch I Married a Princess, please let me know, because now I'm just dying of curiosity. Like, I don't always want to go back and watch the show that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. I'll just watch clips, and it's enough. I really wanted to see this. But anyway, we're going to have to settle for a short description. This will be a little refresher for you and for listeners who may or may not have watched I Married a Princess, which was just one season. Oh, want to guess the uh, network? That's a fun I think it was Fox. I'm pretty sure it was Fox. It was not. No? Mm -mm. E? close
0: it's our little style um e-style i want to say hgtv that's definitely not it lifetime style. lifetime yes yes yes, <laughs>
1: yes. so in 2005 lifetime network it starred katherine oxenberg and her husband casper van Deen. the show's slogan was under the tiara and behind the shades a real life look at a fairytale family So this is the cast rundown with the actual Lifetime Network descriptors next to each cast member's name, which is the family, the husband, the wife, and the kids. Catherine Oxenberg, not your average spoiled princess. She's a very generous person who organizes charities. Casper Van Deen, American actor, macho man, who will do anything for his wife and kids. India Riven Oxenberg, 13-year-old aspiring actress, Catherine's daughter from a previous relationship. Cappy Van Deen, 10-year-old Annabelle-loving boy, casper's son from his first marriage gracie van Deen, nine-year-old sweet and loving the more caring one of the group casper's daughter from his first marriage maya van dean three-year-old with spunk her favorite word is no trademark is her messy hair sometimes very grumpy i relate to maya actually in yeah, all of yeah. this i'm realizing yeah. celeste van Deen is the one-year-old baby of the family daughter of Catherine and casper this is the van Deen oxenberg clan it's um the baby was- didn't even get a write-up no, she had like nothing to offer in her 10, 11, 12 months. Come no, on, no, there's Celeste. something. You, yeah, <laughs> bring it. Yeah, look at who you're up against. It sounds waspy, um, sounds yeah. great. So, Catherine, edit Catherine and Casper met while filming a movie called The Collectors. No nope. means nothing to me, no, They would co-start. Yeah, exactly. They would go on to co-star in several more films, including the Omega Code and other things we probably haven't seen. I've seen the Omega Code. I think that was like a Christian-based
0: movie. I'm almost positive it, it is. It is. Yeah, they I've say that it.
1: in it, and it sounded to me almost like a bootleg Da Vinci Code because I feel like oh, Christians uh, that's thought exactly the Da Vinci it was. Code was like it was too far heretical. Yeah, so I mm-hmm. think they made the Omega Code, and that's um yeah. the movie they did. Now, this is her second husband. She was married for nine days to Hollywood producer Robert Evans, but they annulled it quickly. So it's I, I kind of feel like it doesn't count, but technically it's her second marriage. Now, I have a feeling that if you, Melissa, or our listeners were like, Catherine Oxenberg, I know her. It's probably not because of her royal lineage from Yugoslavia or her two time portrayal of Princess Diana, though it could be from the 2005 I married a princess, knowing this audience. Mm -hmm. But it's very likely it could be from her more recent media coverage, which began in 2017 when she spoke out about rescuing her daughter, India, from the grips of Keith Raniere and his cult, Nexium. And there it is, the third clue, cult. And if all of this just feels like a convoluted way for me to be able to talk about Nexium, maybe it is. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) You did it. That's all that matters. You did it. I mean, I wove it in. There's a legitimate show let's go (laughs) but honestly when we first started this show this was the one I thought I could get you in with like you could do I remember and it was on our long list for a while Mm -hmm. and Melissa I feel like when we first talked about it and you planted this beautiful seed in my heart when I looked at it then I feel like clips came up of the show I honestly think since everything went down with Nexium, that like they've had stuff removed because it's been a full year of yeah because a lot of links would go to, like, current interviews with her about Nexium, And I'm like, someone's redirecting this. Like, they I don't know. Mm. It's weird. I've got theories. So, as you heard from that cast description, Catherine had five children between her marriage. Two were stepkids from her marriage to Casper, Cappy, and Grace. Two little girls she had with him, Celeste and Maya. But India was the eldest. And it was Catherine's firstborn from a previous relationship, not the man she married. So, they really... Like Catherine even refers to them as like the original duo. It was, it was for a very long time, just Catherine and India. They were really, really close. And in Catherine's book, which I read called captive, I'll put the link in the show notes, a mother's crusade to save her daughter from a terrifying cult. She even describes their relationship as mystical. Stay with me. When Catherine was pregnant with India, she went angel hunting in Europe Meaning, now that sounds waspy. <laughs> I know. And she is a little woo-woo. And I yeah, say yeah. that with affection. Sure. So she was going around Europe looking for paintings of the archangel Michael because she, what she knew of him was that he was a protective angel. And she thought it was just a beautiful story. And she wanted to see depictions of him in art around these old cities. Sure. So she dragged this man who was India's father that she was very casually seeing around Europe, telling him all about angels and art and churches. And this guy wasn't religious at all. So he was kind of reluctantly participating. Well, a few weeks later, India what would be India's dad. Now she's just pregnant with India at the time. Calls Catherine. They're back home. Well, Catherine is back home. And he says, I had a vision of the archangel Michael and he had a message for me. The angel told me that we are going to create an especially conscious being and it's our destiny to protect her. So it's like she was like blown away because he was not into this talk at all. And now suddenly he's seeing the angel having this vision for this future child. And it feels like this incredible sort of um, entrance around India's birth. So Catherine gave birth and parented India alone on June 7th, 1991. Not alone, alone. She had a midwife. But I just mean she was a single mom. (laughs) Right. So the reason she named her India was because her best friend growing up was named India. And Riven, she thought, meant priestess in Celtic. But later she found out she was wrong. And it actually means heartbreak, which is very symbolic and meaningful when you know their whole story. But um, I have to tell you. A fun story about the name India. Okay. My parents were hippies when they were pregnant with me, mm-hmm. and my mom really wanted to name me India. So one night she told my grandfather, her dad, we think it's a girl. We don't know because they didn't really, really know back right. then. I'm like, gather around children for a story from the olden <laughs> days. They like measured the heartbeat or something,
0: and they were like, right. sounds like a girl. <laughs> yeah, it's like fast and it's a girl. That's exactly. The way hear
1: it, yeah. And so my mom said, um, we're going to name her India. And my Italian grandfather, Dominic, slammed his hands on the table and said, if you name that girl after a country, it better be Italy. And so that is why I am named Rebecca, (laughs) I guess. So could have been in India, but it was not meant to be. Um, I'm thankful that neither of
0: you were going to get the name India based on where you were conceived. Because I had a (laughs) cousin who they conceived her at a family reunion. So just take all that in. Mm-hmm. They weren't related, but yeah, she no. <laughs> was conceived there. And everybody wanted her last name to be my maiden name. And I was like, can we not do that? Can we not do location, location, location? Like, it doesn't work in this case. It's and real no. estate. That's it. Nobody wants to know that for names and stuff. People do that for, like, streets. I've heard that people name, like, the street their kid was conceived on. Which, why is your kid being conceived in the street? But whatever. People do what they want to do. But it's a very... um your kid doesn't want to know that. That's what I'm trying to say. Your kid doesn't want to know that.
1: I completely agree. I do have one child whose name is one of the city boroughs um, that may or may not have been. We like to say where we sure. met and we're dating. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Oh, gosh, I take it all back. No, I, I should really have known love this information this, first. No, it's totally fine. And it's not New Jersey. So everything's good. So Catherine and India from day one have this special bond, and it's this shared connection that bring them to a five-day retreat for aspiring entrepreneurs who wanted to make money ethically and change the world for the better while they do it, which sounds like a good thing. Catherine is actually the one who suggested that they attend this together. Mm. She hadn't been getting a lot of acting work. She and her husband, Casper, had a lot of ideas for movies and TV, but producers just weren't biting in the way that they used to. So she was at a crossroads and she was also 50. And she's like, I don't know what my future is in acting. I might need to come up with something else. India was just 20 years old, but had a very specific goal. She was launching a gourmet food truck business. She had a reality show in the works and she really felt like this intensive workshop could be helpful in just moving her stuff forward, clarifying her goals, etc. Now, Catherine accepted this invite after many people in her circles had been inviting her for what seemed like years. I mean, lots of people in her world were already taking these classes and right. workshops, and they were calling it Capitalism with Consciousness. So they signed up for this program called Executive Success Program, or shortened and often referred to as ESP. I don't know if you knew this, but before Nexium was Nexium, it was called Executive Success Program, which sounds very harmless and actually quite boring and corporate. But it wasn't at all, which we will find out. And for anybody who knows the Nexium story and knows where this is going, it all started with a very basic MLM structured, right, self improvement like business course. And for anybody who doesn't know this story, you may want to go watch the vow after this. I can put a lot of um, references to books and things you can listen to and watch about this. This is really going to be about Catherine's story about helping her daughter. And not a super deep dive into Nexium. Yeah.
0: And eventually, you will have a TED Talk on this. So if they want to wait a right. little bit, there—that is—that
1: is to come. TED Talk, which will then turn into college curriculum that I will, mm-hmm. you know, teach virtually remotely from. Home. Then you'll start an MOM, and the whole process yes. will start again. <laughs> Actually, listeners, I have a ground floor opportunity. I'd like That's to, talk right. to you so I can get in now. You guys want to invest now? You know, the podcast is free until no. Okay, so. This group was branded as a personal development company, and it offered these programs specializing in self-improvement. And it claimed that the programs would allow members to experience, quote, more joy in their lives. I mean, who doesn't want that? And who wouldn't throw down $1,500, 2000 for a five-day course?
0: Was that a serious question? <laughs> no, that was me, just I'm open-ended not... <laughs> rhetorical,
1: but I'm guessing,
0: no, <laughs> I Sorry, wouldn't. no. Okay, I thought the way you said it with such confidence, I thought you would. And that's where I was like, oh, I know. Well, Mm -mm." I think that's how a lot of people felt because a lot of people did it, right? Oh, my gosh. I'm shaming you for making (laughs) babies in a burrow.
1: And (laughs) Can the episode title just be making babies in a burrow? The alternate title? Things are about to get crazy now. Let's take a quick break to hear from today's sponsor.
0: Our show has been around for more than three years now, which is really something to celebrate. But when I think back over all of our episodes, one that really sticks in my mind, of course, is the one about the bling ring. There were literally teenagers breaking into the homes of celebrities and stealing thousands, if not millions of dollars worth of items. There is just something so scary about someone being in your home without your knowledge even beyond just having your things taken and that's why when it comes to home security i only trust my home to simply safe simply safe isn't just some old fly by night security system it was actually named the best home security systems 2024 by the us news and world report on top of that newsweek named it best customer service in home security which is really huge because if my house or the people that are in it are in jeopardy i want to know that i'm speaking with people who are there to help me We've had Simply Safe in my house for several years now, and Rebecca got her system last year. And there's a lot of comfort in knowing that I have indoor and outdoor cameras all around the house. And if you aren't sure whether it's something you'd actually use, you should definitely give it a try. There are no contracts and a 60-day money back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind. We want you to have it too. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com/criminality. That's simplysafe.com/criminality. There's no safe like Simply Safe Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE.
1: Okay, so they sign up for this five-day course, and Catherine describes the first few days in her book. She found all of it really weird. She didn't like how everybody was incredibly reverent towards this mythical figure that they talked about, Keith Raniere, who was nowhere to be found in the course, but they talked Mm. about him all the time she didn't like how you had to call the main teacher nancy salzman prefect she didn't like that you couldn't tell the people in your life about the specifics of the course because the information was proprietary and she really didn't like the hard sell for the next course before this course even was over she really really hated the sashes that's right i said sashes (laughs) Because this was a business self-improvement course, and yet there were colored sashes to delineate where you fall in the hierarchy of the organization, with white being the lowest, so everybody was given white, with the elusive gold sash going to only the prefect Nancy. Later, even Keith would say he didn't have a gold sash because he is always a student. (laughs) Oh, gosh. But I I, I get ahead. So she was resistant. She was skeptical and she challenged the members openly and defiantly in the program. She only stayed because she paid for both her and her daughter. And India seemed to be into it. And she thought it was like a mother daughter bonding thing. And she's like, well, I could probably get something out of this. I don't need to buy into all the hoopla. And there were other people in the class of note. There were B-list actors, A-list actors, well-known people in the industry. Rosario Dawson was at this specific intensive. And then she saw an act. I know. Then she saw an actor that she used to be really good friends with named Callum Blue. And this put her at ease because she was like, he's been in stuff. I know his name. There's
0: how many Callums could you possibly know? Yeah. He had a baby um, named Callum.
1: It was one of your kids He was in something. He was in something like kind of big. But it's neither here nor there. His presence gave her comfort that, like, these aren't crazy people. Sure. Right? Like, there's even someone from my background. So they're reconnecting. He rolls up his sleeve. And guess what he has tattooed running down his arm, Melissa? Callum Blue was here. (laughs) Close. An illustration of the Archangel Michael. Oh, wow. If you are prone to believe in signs and wonders, as I believe Catherine is, I am too you'd be like, I'm in the right place, right? Like, that's kind of a sign. She felt like, I'm safe. This is a good thing. But unfortunately, it really, really wasn't. It was the beginning of basically a hellish journey for both of them. So Catherine was just full of snarky remarks. She was even being reprimanded for her defiance the the first couple of days. Something weird happened on the third day. She had a breakthrough. So ESP... Uses a technique called EMs. Have you heard of this part of Nexium? It's called Exploration of Meaning. I, I don't remember. Maybe. No. <laughs> it's fine. It's a process that pushes its students to reassess painful traumatic experiences with the intent to decrease the negative long term effects of memories. It's therapy, but with unlicensed facilitators. And it's kind of a dangerous thing to do. And they did it kind of like party tricks, you know? Like, uh-huh. Melissa, tell me about the worst time, X, Y, Z, and then you would say it, and then they would start to give you new ideas and ways of thinking about it. Mm -hmm. So Catherine experienced a breakthrough while under Nancy's guidance, and she made connections about some childhood trauma to current anxiety blocks she had when auditioning. And she really felt like they were connections that she'd never previously made. And so that was sort of powerful and exciting, and it did make her stay so she ignored the gut feeling she ignored the red flags and decided to continue on with the level one program now keep in mind you have to purchase that before you finish and that's just how the cycle starts you're just in and you keep going and getting further and further along now you have to realize behind the scenes catherine was a great get for the cult she was older a little more established financially she had connections and behind the scenes There were tactics in place trying to get people like her. Now, she was a little defiant, so they were working on breaking her down, but they knew she'd be a great optically for the organization. Mm -hmm. And she had this young, beautiful, talented daughter. So there was a lot happening to get both of them, but they were always kept separately. All these courses Mm -hmm. and trainings, they got put in different small groups, and Catherine had requested to be together, but they said that they never do that with family members, which, again, just didn't sit right with her. But she also was trying to respect India's journey and figured she doesn't want her mom kind of overshadowing her experience. Like who wants to have a breakthrough of your own next to your mom, like pouring her heart out. So she let them be separated. So Catherine and India continue moving up in their coursework together. And this is when their paths really start diverging. Catherine was looking at it as coursework and tools to unlock her creativity. And it was working. She was feeling energized. She had new ideas. She started working on documentaries and starting nonprofits. She felt very refreshed creatively. She was taking what worked for her and just leaving the rest. And there was a lot that wasn't working. She got to a part of the program where they split men and women into two different programs. Men went to something called Society of Protectors, also known as SOP. And women went to Jeunesse, which is just a completely made up name. And in Society (laughs) of Protectors sometimes there were names have like incredible meaning and sometimes you find they're just like made up Latin and like fake names. It's so weird. Huh? So the men went to SOP where they learned how to be men and stop acting like little boys and they had readiness drills and you had to go in with collateral, like $1,500. And then if you failed any of the exercises, you didn't get that money back and the group collected it. So there was this sort of collective buy in like, well, everybody wants their money back and I don't want to let down the whole group. Oh, and the group would lose their money too if you failed. So there was this weird pressure that wasn't, you know, authentically motivated. It was completely like this threat of outside, you know, ruining people's financials and your own. It was so messy. Meanwhile, in Jeunesse, women were told they were too emotional, flaky and irresponsible, if not narcissistic. They were self-absorbed and inclined to cast themselves as the victim. They really hated this concept of victimhood. And knowing now what we know about Nexium, which you all will know more of when I'm finished, if you don't know anything, it's a very interesting tactic that they used early on in these courses yeah. to sort of make you believe, yeah, no one's a victim. You can't be because of this. And then they give you this nonsense training about why that can't be because mm-hmm. of your own mental agency and all this other stuff that if we had paid $5,000 for, we could learn to, but we didn't. So the idea of victimhood just doesn't exist. So these workshops cost 5,000 each and there were 11 in total that you had to complete. So Again, what's at play here is the more you buy in, the more you have invested, the harder it is to leave because you're like, but I've spent 10, 20, 30, $50,000 on classes. So when something starts seeming off, you might just ignore it because who at that point wants to say I was wrong and you've invested all this time and money. Mm -hmm. The other thing is you do not meet Keith until you're through level two and they hype him up from day one. Major cult tactic. If anyone has seen a picture of Keith Raniere, whether you know about Nexium or not, Melissa has a perfect example behind her on her Zoom. This is the guy that they've been hyping up since day one, and you get to meet him, level two. Now, again, it's that same idea. If something's been built up so much, even if you look at him and you're like, I don't see it, you might be like, oh, exactly. You might Mm -hmm. say... Oh, but like, listen to what he's saying and you might Absolutely. feel something in his presence just because of what everyone has said. It's like a legend. He's like yeah, yeah. a legend. Catherine had a real problem with Jeunesse, felt like it was anti-feminist and it wasn't about what it wasn't in alignment with what she believed and what she wanted India to believe. Right, And she was actually one of the projects she started working on was this documentary about. Women and sex called sexology. And when her fellow espions, as they were called, these are people in the ESP program, found out she was making this. They said, you have to get Keith involved. He would love this. And she was like, absolutely not. There, no man will be speaking into this. Like my director's a woman. Right. My board is a woman. This is done by women. But they said, please just tell him because you're going to be meeting the vanguard soon. Did we talk about the vanguard? Nancy's no. prefect. Mm-mm. Keith had to be referred to as vanguard. So headquarters of Executive Success Programmer in Albany, New York. Now, remember, I've been talking about she's in L.A. They've been in Malibu right. this whole time. So if you watch The Vow, their home in Malibu is a dream to die for. Mm-hmm. To die for. It's literally on the beach. It's it's like she's rich and you can tell, but it's mm. understated. It is not tacky. It is like. It's old money, right? And it's just right. like, I just, I want to go to there. Like I want to be in her house. So the idea of, so Albany, I'm a New Yorker. It's my state capital. It's a pretty bleak place. It is our state mm-hmm. capital. There's not a lot going on there. I'm, I I know there's a lot of lovely people and there's some great universities there. I'm just saying it's like very gray. It's North and West of the city. And like the sun is just very rarely there. Right. So just the juxtaposition of Albany and Malibu. So she flies to Albany where this is where she gets to see headquarters, which is a super sad brown brick office building in suburban Albany. And while there, she gets a coveted invitation to one of the Colts trademark events, middle of the night volleyball. Again, Melissa, perfect picture. This was the thing that if you were lucky, you got to get invited to watch Keith play volleyball with other members of executive success program. And if you were really lucky, he would sit down on the sidelines afterwards and take questions it's like Jesus in the Bible where people were trying to touch the hem of his cloak to get healed. Like, this is sort of the feeling around Keith Raniere.
0: It's so wild, but when you're in a group setting like that, if everyone, like you were saying, if everyone's hyped up, you're not going to be the person to be like, I mean, even even me who's like not, I don't know how far I could have ever gotten into this, but I can see the whole group setting being like oh okay well maybe they're seeing something i don't know obviously i've got to be wrong but if i came in anywhere and saw this i just Mm -hmm. it is there's a reason you don't see it until level two they got to really get in your head before
1: you're prepared to see this and think anything positive about it absolutely it's so strategic they've also been touting his intelligence from day one talking about his iq which is 240 um he's a musical prodigy he you know so many things that have all been debunked, by the way, all of them. Yeah. So it's obviously not his good looks that they're banking on. They're building up this persona of a hyper intelligent, philosophical guru. Right. So that's also part of it because there has to be something else. Because there just, has just to just look. It can't just be the headband. It cannot, and, and it should I guess not. The booty shorts. And frankly, volleyball after five p.m. anywhere is just a no Midnight for me. Midnight
0: volleyball. Get out of here. I played volleyball, loved volleyball, would not be caught dead playing volleyball with this man. He
1: wasn't even away. No way. To... No way. And it's at events like this where you might even get to have a personal EM session, remember exploration of meaning, with Keith himself the way Allison Mack did the very first time she met him. Melissa, take a look at that clip I sent you. There's two. I broke it up into two because they're long, so you can go ahead and watch both.
0: Okay. Is that
1: important to Yes. Why?
0: Um. Why is that important to me? Because it's. Because um, I think it's. Because so much of who I am is wrapped up in art. Give me an example. I when I go to see a, a film or mm-hmm. a piece of artwork or mm-hmm. something happens to me, so exciting, and one blissful
1: joyful you know you can practice generating an extreme feeling of joy over anything
0: mm-hmm.
1: our methods that we have especially in 2c
0: yeah it was uh super awkward it was very intense that's like watching somebody have a conversation you feel like you should not be watching like honestly it looks like it could have been heading in a number of directions and Some of those would get you knocked up in a burrow, but it was a lot for me to, um, (laughs) to take in.
1: It was gross. It's super, super gross. And for anyone who, who knows like the spoiler of what's to come, which let's just wait for it. But I just want to point out that that was in 2006. That was Allison Mack's very first meeting with Keith Raniere. Now she would basically get so close to him and go down for a lot of the crimes within the organization Which is just so weird to see. But when you see how intense their first meeting was, um, I'm just going to send you one more thing in the chat. This is 10 years later. So she basically, that moment bought in. So a decade later, please skip to three minutes, 55 seconds, and just watch about a minute of her singing. For a little context, there is something called V Week, which is Vanguard Week, It's Keith's birthday every summer. The whole organization rents like a campground and this big YMCA facility and they have a week long, but it's 10 days because Keith doesn't like the number seven, 10 day birthday party, crazy, whatever. It's like a corporate retreat, but like no rules. And this was his um, tribute. So she is singing to Vanguard on V-Week. This is dedicated to him. Please note the acapella. Proceed. Tap out. It's intense.
0: I'm only flesh and blood. But I can be anything that you demand. I
1: can be queen of everything. I'm
0: just a tiny little grain of Do, boo, do, boo. (laughs) Is she sobbing yet? torture. She was
1: quite hysterical. Yeah. Yeah. So, So this is what can happen. I mean, 10 years is a long time and not a long time. I just felt like that was very important to show a journey of what we're talking about. So it is now 2016. Keith asks, Keith does find out about Catherine's documentary, asks to be part of it. Catherine shuts it down immediately. And this is when she decides to really just disengage with the group. She just, she's like ignored things long enough. But unfortunately, yeah, she just got to that point for herself. Unfortunately, while Catherine became less and less interested in the group, India was just going further and further in and actually decided to take on a leadership role. So at some point you could be invited to become a coach And she was, they saw a ton of potential in her. And I think it's because she was younger and more impressionable. And Catherine was just too wise and mature. And that's not to speak against India, just life experience Experience. things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, And Catherine just saw the BS and she, she saw the financial cost of it and the benefits. And she just started looking at it all and going, no. So India decides to be a coach full time and she decides to leave beautiful Malibu and move to Albany full time. And Catherine is worried, but feels like India's on her own path. Like, what can right. I do? And she is, you know, tw- I think she's 21 at this point, 21 or 22. She can't really tell her not to. But then Catherine gets two alarming phone calls relatively near one another. But this is after India has been gone and increasingly disconnected from Catherine and her family and more and more immersed in executive success program. Some point not too long ago, Catherine's father had died and left each of, um, I guess, grandkids and various family members an inheritance. And India got six figures. Catherine doesn't name the amount, but it's either 100000 or or 900, <laughs> between $900,000. It's a lot of money for right. a 21-year-old. And she got it on her 21st birthday. And the financial planner called. This was before she was 22 and just said, Catherine, heads up, India's money is almost gone. So India was dipping in and spending money on more courses the thing about Nexium that really took it down was the 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 labor practices they were in violation nobody got paid for their work and if you did it was these commissions but you had to spend so much to get to the point where you got a commission it was this cyclical funneling of money right. And you weren't compensated. And Nexium would say they would support your entrepreneurial ideas that you just had to fundraise and come up with the money. So you would give over these large sums for a t-shirt company or a food track that would never, ever happen.
0: Hmm. And
1: you would just be out that money. And the only way to get more money would be to recruit people who signed up and you would get their commission. So it's just this horrible cycle that's very hard to get out of, would be really hard for a young adult. With a lot of money who thinks it probably will never end and is very optimistic. So Catherine's now concerned because she's going to get to the end of her financial rope. But she thought, you know what? That might lead her back home because she'll be desperate and broke. And she has a safe place to fall. This is not the worst thing in the world. But unfortunately, the next call she got was from Bonnie. Bonnie played a prominent role in The Vow for anybody who watched it. She was the wife of the man in The documentary who captured all this footage because he was kind of their in-house documentarian. The reason we watched Allison and Keith meet is because Keith wanted everything recorded. It's like he knew we'd all be talking about it someday. I think he just thought for different reasons. Yeah. Bonnie had decided to defect from the group, which is actually what they said. When you leave the group, you were a defector. She needed to tell Catherine some, some pretty major things and that it was best to do it in person. Now, it's important to know that between the time they joined and signed up for those preliminary courses called Executive Success Program, the organization changed its name to Nexium, which is why I've been using both, if that's confusing to anybody who doesn't know. At some point, they rebranded and called themselves Nexium, which um, the organization says has no meaning on the record. But Catherine, in her book, does make this connection that I think is really interesting. She found out that the origin of the word might be Nexum, N E X U M, an old Latin word, which means a formal contract of loan with coin and balance in the presence of five witnesses under which the obliger could be seized and held in bondage for failure to perform. It sounds a lot like the collateral that we talked about in the Society of Protectors. Mm-hmm. And collateral is another big thing that's about to be used in something I'm about to tell you. So ESP becomes Nexium. And Nexium itself was still just this pyramid scheme of self improvement courses. Thousands of people took it. Most people, that was the biggest problem, was that they were probably not having the life changing, joy inducing results that right. they thought they would. But it wasn't necessarily criminal or super dark. There was a much smaller secret inner circle of. Super followers and leaders of the organization Nexium that developed into something called DOS. Now, DOS does have a meaning. It's an abbreviation for the Latin term Dominus Obsequium Sororium, which loosely translates to master over slave women. So, this group of women sign up voluntarily, but they have to give collateral. So, it would go like this Hey, Melissa, role play with me. Sure, sure. Do you want to join? so I'm part of this thing. It's like this group of self-empowered women and we're doing amazing things. And I think you'd be perfect for it. Do you want to come? I know what you would say. You'd be like, no,
0: I don't. Absolutely not. I'm busy. Whatever day it is, I'm busy. (laughs) Yeah. Do I have to leave my house? No. Um, but for this game, I will say, yes, I'd love to Rebecca. That sounds like me. I
1: knew it would. I'm so glad to hear you say that, Melissa. We really want to protect the integrity of the group and the confidentiality. So you do have to provide something to us. So we know you won't tell anyone something that you really wouldn't want out there. Naked pictures will be fine. <laughs> Perfect. Don't have any of those. so not Here, let it. me take one. Okay, so it gets creepy <laughs> oh my quick. Gosh, but, yeah. but yeah, that's pretty much the sell. Except that these were really like people you already trusted and were in leadership with. So if you find out there's this inner circle among the inner circle and you're not part of it you're probably like hey yeah of course I want to be in so people would send the naked pictures some would say well I don't really have anything else because they would start saying we need more so some women would make things up they told lies about their husbands that was Mm. Sarah Edmondson's case she was another Nexium whistleblower she made up that her husband was a terrible, abusive father to their young toddler. He wasn't. But she just said, I'll just say it, and I'm never going to break the vow, so nobody will ever know. Right. So they get these women in very compromising positions. And then once they're in, they get surprised with a surprise ceremony, saying that they're all going to get a small, permanent, tattoo-like mark that's a symbol of the elements, um, the wind, the mountains, and the air. And they were like, okay, it's like a group tattoo. I'm down. I have one of those, by the way. Um, Tramp stamp before that was a thing. (laughs) It kind of became one of those what they thought was going to happen and what they got. Right. They were also told Keith was not part of this. This was female written and driven from the top down. And the idea was inspired by Allison Mack and India Oxenberg. However, much later, it was revealed that Keith was very much behind it. And it was Allison Max and his idea. And he received every photo and every piece of collateral that the women had as it came in. Oh, man. Also, that brand, it was not an abstract symbol of the mountains and air. It was actually the initials K-R and A-M. So for anyone who wants to Google it, it's pretty gnarly to look at because it's... Oh, and it's not a tattoo. It's a brand. It was done with a cauterizing pen on their pelvis and they had to be completely naked and held down while it was being branded. Also, Bonnie told Catherine most, if not all, of the Das women were in varying levels of sexual relationships with Keith. So Bonnie tells all this to Catherine because she knows now for a fact that India is part of this. And not only is she a victim of what they're doing in DOS, but she's becoming a master So once you enroll Mm. someone, you're then a master and they're your slave. And then those slaves get slaves and they become a master and there's diet restriction. You're only allowed to have two to 400 calories per meal per day. So these women are getting thinner and thinner. Nobody's in, you know, nobody's healthy. If your master calls you in the middle of the night to do something, you have to do it. If you don't, you get punished. There's paddling, there's cold showers, there's running in the middle of the night. And This is now the reality of what Catherine is thinking about with her daughter, India. So India comes home for a really rare visit. It was her birthday. And Catherine decided we're going to do a soft intervention. She basically tells all the family and friends there what's going on. And she's like, be cool. Like, don't be all uncool. (laughs) uncool. Mm -hmm. Don't be all get out of the cult. (laughs) Call your dad. You're in a cult. Just be chill. But ask her about her life, remind her of memories, ground her in like her past, and remind her of like who she is and where she's come from. So everybody's on board. They're at this party. She doesn't know how the night is going, but uh, but India seems to be having fun, and a lot of her friends are there. And she's like, maybe she just won't go back because she'd only booked her a one-way ticket. Then she walks into a bedroom, and India is in there with her laptop, and she's enrolling two of her friends from L.A. to get into DOS. And this is what sent Catherine over the edge. She was so worried about her daughter's emotional and mental and physical well-being, but now she was actually very concerned that what she was about to do, what India might be about to do, could be criminal. Right. Because she certainly felt like this group was breaking laws. She didn't know exactly how or how to prove it, but she was so concerned now that India was going to make some choices that she would really, really regret later. So she decided this intervention is not working. My new strategy is to disrupt and expose Nexium. So the party ends and she just gets to work. She enlists the help of cult experts, lawyers, friends, members of the media, and she decides we're taking down Nexium. At the advice of her friend who worked in sex trafficking, he said, Build an evidence package, which is just a list of every federal, state law, code violation, any law they might be breaking. Get it mm-hmm. in there. And sex crimes are really hard to prosecute and to prove. So get the follow the money, right? And so she learns what RICO is. And any true crime person knows, like, these are the racketeering. Um, this came about, I think, from the 70s and, like, the mafia era. So she starts looking into all this and compiling it. She also, because moms can't help themselves, she calls the girls moms. She calls the moms right. of the girls India was talking to and says, I can't believe I have to say this, but my daughter India is in a cult, and I think your daughters are next. This is huge because those girls ended up bailing on India not going, which likely caused India a lot of suffering. And Nexium, she was probably punished. Mm. But when the arrests would start happening, and spoiler alert, they would just a year later, all of the cult's leadership were indicted and convicted. But the fact that India had not successfully recruited anyone into DOS spared her from criminal charges. So Catherine's instinct was so dead on and she just didn't care what India thought anymore. This was no longer about protecting her feelings or making sure she had her own journey. That was so like the branding was it. Right. And realizing that, and she also wanted to save other girls from what she knew was going to be a terrible mistake. So one of the people that I mentioned that helped Catherine along was this man running this, um, sex trafficking recovery program. And what he said, something that really triggered Catherine. He said, if that was my daughter, I would fly out to Albany, physically remove her and say, this ends now. And Catherine was a little bit emotional about that because by this time, her and Casper had divorced and he wasn't really stepping up in the role of step-parent at all. So he was not helping her. And India's dad, well, if you've never heard of him in this story, because this has very much been Catherine's story of rescuing India in the press, that's because Catherine's dad the guy from Europe who reluctantly Mm. went around to the churches. So the reason he was in Europe, he was actually a fugitive. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Yeah. Guys, is everyone still with me? Yeah, there's this whole other saga. So essentially, he was a Beverly Hills lawyer, and he started drug smuggling because he could, and he was smart, and he knew how to do it really well. And so in 1992, this guy's name is William White Schaefer, by the way, Bill, as Catherine calls him. He was the head of an operation that brought in 65 tons, which is $300 million worth of marijuana from Thailand to the state of Washington. The DEA says it was the biggest drug smuggle on the West Coast in history. So he was hiding out in Germany when they were over there in Europe. Eventually, he was found and arrested, and he eventually pled out to avoid a big trial Uh, because in addition to that marijuana job, they had a lot more on bill. He was a known money launderer and he'd been in this shady business since the 1970s. So when he got out of that and just had house arrest and fines and all of that, I think he did. And he did some prison time. He kept a very low profile. But when news swelled about India, people did actually start to say, like, we've seen her mom, like talking to everybody on TV about her. Like, where's this girl's dad? So he eventually made a statement. He said, I've had a close and personal relationship with my daughter, India, her entire life. I know in my heart she'll do the right thing. She's an angel. He's bringing back the angel. It's like, well, thanks, Bill. Um,
0: <laughs> it's a weird way to talk about your kid, a close and personal relationship with my daughter. Like, that's, like, should be given, I feel like.
1: I think so, but I think he also with knows your... people know he was in prison. But Catherine did bring India to visit him when she was little. I just mm. feel like daylight dollars short and... yeah. yeah. Catherine's totally taking care of things. This is like a major case of let the women do the work because Catherine was so tenacious. She got all the documentation stories and facts compiled. She got the New York times story published, which blew the lid off the story. That was the real turning point. And, um, for anyone who remembers it, Sarah Edmondson was in the full color photo showing her brand. Catherine was a driving force behind getting that to happen. Sadly, even Nexium's exposure in the mainstream media wasn't enough for India. It wouldn't be until Keith, the vanguard, and prefect Nancy, the Bronfman sisters, who we didn't even talk about, but they were the billionaire heiresses who funded this whole thing, and Alice and Mack were all arrested. It was only then that India could see Nexium for what it was and Keith for who he was. India found all of her collateral and everybody else's, as well as audio recordings of Allison and Keith coming up with the idea for DOS and the branding on a thumb drive in Allison's computer. And that's when she said, I'm done. And I'm going to cooperate with the FBI. And she eventually, after months of working with them and being a very helpful witness. Yeah, she uh, gave a actually she didn't testify in court, but she gave a victim impact statement in court against Keith. So there's so much more, but what people should know is they got arrested and things went down really quickly. Keith got 120 years. He was convicted of racketeering, racketeering conspiracies, sex trafficking, attempted sex trafficking, sex trafficking conspiracy, forced labor conspiracy, and wire fraud conspiracy. Nancy Salzman got three and a half years. Claire Bronfman got six and a half years. Allison Mack got three years. So India had to go through intensive therapy. I'm sure she still is. Her and Catherine had to repair this very severed relationship. India was pissed for a long time that her mom was speaking publicly about her and shaming her. Now it's beautiful to see them on the other side of it because she really gets it and understands and appreciates what she did. Um, And like I said, I got all of this, most of this. I read supporting articles, but I, I read Catherine's book called Captive. And India's book, which I didn't read, is called Still Learning. And I would say for anybody wanting to watch the documentaries, the two big ones are The Vow by HBO and then Stars did one called Seduced. The Vow is really Catherine's story of finding and rescuing India. Seduced is India's story of leaving and reclaiming her voice and reconciling with Catherine. And she's an executive producer on it, too. So that doesn't even bring in... Missing women, murders, suicides. There is so much more to the Nexium story. You can find copious amounts of content on the internet. Um, on Dialogue, I've interviewed a lot yeah, of people about Nexium. So, you know, feel free to look up things there. But um, that's Catherine Oxenberg's story, which I just find, I have to say, so remarkable. She's inspiring as a mother. Like, she's what? Oh, yeah what I would want to do for my child in that situation. She's what I would want my mom to do in that situation. And she just never gave up. And also what I didn't know is that she was responsible for bringing them in. I didn't realize that part of the story and how deep she was in before getting out. So the responsibility she felt was so consuming because she felt like she never would have done this if it wasn't for me. So, so that's the story of Catherine i honestly don't
0: remember that from the vow it's not I that i did not say it but i don't remember anything about her going i mean maybe it was her going attending one but i really don't remember that and i definitely didn't realize that india hadn't signed anyone i mean i knew that she wasn't going to be in as much trouble as everybody else but i didn't realize she was that close to getting people signed up and luckily her mom i mean that could have gone so, oh so gosh.
1: differently. She's seriously so lucky the timing of that worked out mm-hmm. the way it did. And I think she did sign people up in terms of courses as a as a coach, but that is very sure. different from the DOS stuff. And, I mean, it's all one of those sliding doors things, like if India had never come home, if they'd never had that party, like yeah. this story could be so different. So mm-hmm. I'm sure she's just so grateful to her mom. But, um, yeah, I didn't remember some of those things either. And I will say it was a good read. I, I listened to an Audible Um, and she reads it, she narrates it and she's got a lovely voice. Such a good voice. Um, you know, she sounds like an Abercrombie model, you know, the type. (laughs) Also, so sad that my
0: childhood made me think that that was like luxury. (laughs) No, you weren't alone in that. I did too. I just put her in a different older category. (laughs) Had like a lawsuit with them. It's
1: just. I remember episode one. It's the whole thing. Yeah. Um, wow, one okay. also weird culty connection is, um, if you remember Casper's kids, one of them is named Grace. She is now an actress on stranger things and she's kind of blowing up and having a moment Grace Van Dean, but I looked at her IMDB and she played Sharon Tate in a movie about the Mansons, which oh, was wow. Roman Pulaski's wife who was killed by the Manson family members. So I just thought, well, that's so weird. That is. Oh, man. We've got
0: to find clips of this, though, because I do have like a memory of it. It's it's a time where a lot of things like this were coming out, where it's just yes. like, you kind of have a celebrity. Okay, we're going to give you a, a reality show. I really Completely. would have thought it was Fox. I'm really surprised. I don't remember Lifetime doing this 17 years ago. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Like reality shows. 2005. Yeah, no, I, um, believe they did. And I wish we had a clip too. India would have been 13. Like I really, really want to watch it. I, I feel like I know their family now. We're going to find it. So we're going to okay. find it. Somebody come through. We'll send you a yeah. sticker if you have a link. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so that was the story. I, and, um, I listened to her book for many days and it cut into my TV watching time, but I'd love to know what your TV watching time has been about
0: Here's the thing, you know, whenever you're like, not sure how well you're doing with your mental health, but then like, there's clues that give you that things are going downhill before you really like break. Here's how I knew that things like I'm getting to a, a spot where like, I really need to like take some walks and take yeah. some time to myself. Yeah. <laughs> and that this show is how I know. Here we go. Okay. Uh, Number one, twins. Twins. <laughs> Which that's for um, <laughs> for Kimberly and Katie from uh, Date with Dateline. My next clue is TLC, and my third clue is Tom. Okay, is it the Darla
1: and Stacy? Darcy and Stacy. Darcy I, and
0: Stacy. I have watched uh, <sighs> Darcy and Stacy. Here's the most upsetting thing. I'm doing so not great that um, I. Here's whenever one of them was getting veneers and her teeth were shaved down. That's a that's a photo of her. Um, I started. No, 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 no. That's a horror movie. It is. a. (laughs) My life might be heading that way. So I started with the second season. Like I so didn't give a crap that I started with the second season, went to the third. There's only like two in the third. Now I'm back in the first season. Total chaos. Just Here's the thing I will say about this show. I had no interest in watching this show. My house started getting messy. I knew things were like kind of going on in my head. So I'm doing better. My house is cleaner and I've stopped watching this. So I know things are okay. Very, okay. on the No intervention needed intervention.
1: Just gonna kind of have a gentle conversation. <gasps> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, once I realized like these were my clues, I was like, oh, you're not doing so good, Melissa. Mm-hmm. I've um, so been there. <laughs> so the thing with these two, if you've never watched them, they were on, uh, Stacy was, I'm sorry, Darcy was on 91, 90 Day Fiance, one time with a guy named Jesse, then another time with a guy named Tom. They're all terrible. Darcy and Stacey are twins, the most codependent twins you've ever seen.
1: Wait, one woman was on two different times with two different people? Mm-hmm. Yeah. is that mm-hmm, a trend mm-hmm. on that show or is that pretty unusual well, what happens is sometimes they have b- before the 90 days
0: and then they have um oh, oh, 90 oh, days oh, okay. after 90 days newly okay. really single so like okay. they pick these people who are like made for tv yes and yeah. they are like let's keep them going let's make a different type of show so gotcha, they did gotcha. that so now this is their spinoff so i right. think this is stacy but Um, I can tell whenever their teeth aren't like that, I can actually tell them apart much like the Oppenheim twins and it's,
1: it's does something good. That's so impressive. That is so impressive.
0: Mental health. Yay. So, um, so, but the thing with them, it's like these cheerleaders, these codependent cheerleaders, they're like, I thought about it today. They're like Bratz dolls. If they were motivational posters, because everything with them is just like, you know, just. They're just plastic as can be now, and they were really beautiful. And they just they've got some ins, you know, who am I to say anything? I'm sitting here watching their show, but there seems to be a lot going on. They don't seem incredibly happy, but they're like, Go, sister, twin love, twin flame. Yeah, yeah, go, you know, go, Aniko. They, Stacy Darcy has a daughter named Aniko in uh, Aspen. They're the most beautiful girls, the most sweet girls, the most normal. Like it doesn't compute. So the whole time I'm watching this, I'm just like, how, how can yeah. I be a better mom like Darcy? I don't know what's <laughs> happening because her kid seems to like her. So I'm like, what am I doing wrong? So anyway, I'm just going through a lot. Um, don't watch this show. Absolutely don't watch I will it. Not. If you find yourself watching this show, call your doctor, have your medicine adjusted, <laughs> and see what happens. Oh
1: That's my, my gosh. We have talked about them offline before and, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I, I am, I, uh, it's, it's alarming to look at their old pictures and their new ones and I don't, people can do whatever they want with their faces Absolutely. and their bodies. Um, they just, just bring about more questions than answers and, mm-hmm. you know, case in point behind you. I can't, um, yeah, you know, you always have a friend here in the boroughs <laughs> you can call <laughs> if you feel like you're gonna spend a little too much time watching. Yeah, I'm um, in season one,
0: but I've kind of paused, so I don't really yeah, need to take know what a happens. Break. Yeah, I already know I've
1: watched the future, so it doesn't get much worse. <laughs> I'm right. good. That's incredible. Well, my show's really different, but it is reality. Um, it's Netflix. I'd call it more like a series than a reality show. But it's a reality show. Okay. Um, Netflix, New York City, Judaism. Ooh, I don't know. It's My Unorthodox Life. Oh, okay. I've heard of it. haven't watched it. I'd heard of it for so long, too, and I actually thought it was a scripted show. I thought it was, like, younger or something. I thought it was... I knew it was about a woman who left a religious community, and I just assumed it was scripted. Sure. And um, it is very much not, and... It's really good. Actually, can I just read the blurb cuz I don't know how to explain it? Yeah, let's do. It. A Hasidic Jewish woman flees an arranged marriage in Brooklyn to start a new life abroad, but her past catches up to her. That's not a great blurb. So she's very <laughs> cur- her, it's about a Sorry, I did that for clarity I and I feel like it. I can do better Netflix. Okay. You so got it. it's about a woman named Julia Hart. Hart is a new given chosen last name. She wants to completely remove herself from her ancestry upbringing and also what she married into and she had four kids though so she leaves her husband but she also has four kids aged like at the time probably nine or ten to like 20 something and so it's her journey post leaving and her relationship with her kids and now they're on their own journey trying to figure out what they will or will not embrace about the Jewish faith but I want to be really careful to say and she is as well she knows lots of Hasidic people who are uh, you know, working in mainstream jobs, allowed to sing and dance all the, She was in a very fundamentalist right. sect of Judaism. That is not what the Jewish, she's trying to expose her kids to now. Sure. So she's just, you know, makes that distinction. But what's really cool is she left and she's gone on to have this major career. So she's the CEO of Elite World Models. Oh wow. And she was the creative director at La Perla Lingerie. So she went from not being able to speak in church or in her home if they had company or uncover her body to like new boobs, new outfits, right. CEO, like married this older Italian guy and they live in this insane penthouse on the Hudson River. And it's a very fun show, but there's um, there's real heart issues. I think that's why she chose the name, but she's writing a memoir. Um, the kids are kind of upset there because it's bringing up those memories. And so they yeah. all look really happy now but I was kind of relieved to see that they're now revealing there was this time when she'd left where it was complete chaos. And the kids felt really abandoned because their yeah. mom was like living her truth, but it meant that she was absolutely rejecting their dad and their, mm. everything they'd been raised to know. And so the youngest child is still wants to be Hasidic. He's 13 and he's the only one. It's just so fascinating. Yeah. And um, I love it. And she's incredibly funny and, and spunky and, um, Smart and just very watchable, and I like it. Oh, nice! Yeah, yeah I want to check that I really out. Like I it.
0: totally thought it was scripted, and I thought this person was younger. I thought it was more like whatever that Amish show is that I get sucked into from time oh, to time, Breaking Amish. Yeah, I it was more like that where it was like what's leaving at 18 or whatever,
1: right? What's the thing they do at 16, like Rumsbringer? Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, no, this was different. She was, um, like 40 something and had children oh, and okay. just left pretty Whoa. crazy um, okay yeah i want to check I'm that out i'm super into it and she has a great assistant named robert lots of personality i love, love it. it and my mom got me into it so oh fun okay she didn't name me and david she gave me some good shows to watch so. yeah nice
0: i mean well now i've given you a great show and uh if you're headed for a breakdown and then i can watch
1: yours when i'm on the up and up yeah, there's a time and place where that show, I'm sure I will turn it on and be like, this is the only thing I can watch. I don't deserve anything better. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so let's do this again in a couple weeks. And sure. you can tell a story. Could I have some clues? Would love to. Okay, ready? Here are my
0: clues. Number one, MTV. Mm. Number two, marriage. Number three, Miss USA. Oh my gosh. Someone is going to figure it out. I'm not saying you won't. I just, yeah, I didn't are. know this story. I mean, I'm mean, hinting at it. I wasn't going to say it to your face. But um, I didn't know the story at all. So I'm, I'm excited.
1: I don't know the Miss USA, but I wanted to say it was like the Jessica Simpson, Nick Lachey show, but it's not. It's not. Right? I'll give you no. that. Mm-mm. Okay. Is it any version of the real world? Mm-mm. No. Nope. Okay. <laughs> Miss USA, marriage, and MTV? Yep. Okay. And I will gonna... say the
0: person is not going to be as known to you as much as their spouse is known to you, um, or
1: okay. ex-spouse.
0: But that's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Is it,
1: okay, is it, um? Nicola... no, I'm still, I'm on a Nicholas kick, his new wife, no. I'm Nick I'm obviously Nick Lachey. That's what you mean. I'm obviously <laughs> Nick Lachey. I've been podcasting with Nick Lachey. The time yeah. Um, very intriguing. Okay, cool. I can't wait. Yeah, I'm excited. It should be good. I
0: should start researching, and hope there's. Yeah, more you to it really than should. I found so far. It's <laughs> always they. They always seem like such a great idea. <laughs> I know, and then you get into it, and you're like, "Why did I? What I have I done?" Stuck with those clues, uh, this was and we've idea. said
1: them. Yeah, you, there's no turning back. But I'm excited. No. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you. Great job. I enjoyed
0: the story. I learned a lot and I've watched stuff with it and I've listened to your stuff on it and I still learned a lot.
1: I couldn't believe how much I learned from her book, I have to say. And it makes Mm -hmm. sense. I mean, she lived the story. She's going to have a unique perspective and there is so much in there that I didn't even get to. So I really do recommend the book and The Val and Seduced. I like Seduced better than um, The Val.
0: Oh, I was going to ask that. I wanted to see it. But I, like, I kind of got Nexiumed out at that point. I was like, I can't do anymore right
1: now. Most people did, and no one can fault you for that. I'm still like, is there anything else? Anything else I didn't read? Anything else I didn't watch? (laughs) My husband says I know more about Nexium than any women not in Nexium should. So, you know. It's not wrong. (laughs) We all have our badges of honor. Um, Well, let's do this again in a couple weeks. Thanks, everybody, so much for listening
0: absolutely you can find rebecca on her other show dialogue every wednesday on your podcast feed make sure you uh subscribe so they're just there when you wake up on wednesday mornings it's wonderful yeah there's
1: actually some cult episodes coming very soon uh some new ones you can find melissa on tuesdays with her other podcast moms and murder which was just featured on msnbc congratulations to you and mandy that was so cool
0: thank you so much it was very not stressful and totally fine thank you yeah you
1: were not freaking out (laughs) on the inside you looked perfect (laughs) Um, Yeah, follow us at Criminality Show on all the platforms and sign up for our YouTube channel, which is also Criminality Show. No, you have to subscribe to that, not sign up. Subscribe. Oh, yeah.
0: Or you can sign up and we can make it like an MLM and it's a whole thing. Remember, get get in. Ground floor. Ground ground floor on YouTube.
1: You you heard of here first. No money back guarantee. Okay. There you go. Have a great couple weeks. Bye.